You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 280, Atheist. Hosted by Dan Terry. I'm going to give you this one, Joe. They're mostly thrash. And Joseph Wren. Guys want to write some death metal? Hell yes, I do. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And when your band travels to Jupiter to record their latest death metal masterpiece, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Are you ready for some seriously evil thrash-influenced death metal, Dan? I mean, I don't know about evil. I mean, they are atheists. We got that out of the way, right? Right off the top. Oh, yeah, dude. I've been like, swinging my square hammer all week. I've been listening to Ghost. Papa Maritas 4 is out there singing about Little Sunshine. It's going to be some seriously evil metal this week. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of excited. And see, here's the thing. Here, here's what I don't like, and I want to get this right off the top of the episode because I'm not going to complain about atheists' music. Okay, I'm not going to say that they're not a good band because that would be objectively false. But what I am going to say is, guys, you guys have awesome music, and, and people want to hear that awesome music. They do. They want to hear it. But right now, we, we, we kind of can't. I mean, we can. I mean, if you, if you have collected a CD copy of every Atheist album, then congratulations, because you cannot stream these albums at least not on the streaming service I'm using. If it's on Spotify, maybe, then I'm, I could be totally wrong. Uh, but you guys have a fully functioning Bandcamp page up that has all of your albums listed. So imagine my shock, awe, and horror whenever I try to buy those albums from you. It, it's not very often that I will buy a band's discography just to talk about it on the show. But in the case of Atheist, I, I was going to make an exception, but I, but I can't. Uh, Joe informed me too. He's like, yeah, you go to bandcamp.com. Their albums are listed there, but uh, you can't buy them, nor can you listen to any of the tracks. And I'm like, okay, well, that is a little bit strange. And I'm like, but I'm pretty sure there's a buy option on the app. So I pull out my phone and I, I turn on the app and I go in there and I'm like, yeah, right here, Atheist. You know, like, like we're, we're good, man. We, you got the best of Atheist. You've got a piece of time. I mean, you've got peace of time. You've got all of it, right? Uh, I click buy, I click add to cart, I click checkout. It's like, oh, this item's not available. So, I mean, I'm not sure what's going on there, but like, yeah, as far as we knew, the, the only way we were able to listen to these albums, other than the couple of Atheist CDs that I have, uh, you gotta you gotta listen to them on, on YouTube. And, and, and we did, thank God, because uh, the, these were good albums. I'm glad we didn't miss it. Usually when it's this much trouble for me to get music for the show, I'm usually like, yeah, okay, we'll just uh, we'll pull them out of the rotation and then get a different band. But I know people want to hear us talk about Atheist, and so we are going to trudge forward. But no, seriously, if the band is listening, please, please, please get your band camp up and running. People want these albums in high-quality flack. They, they just do. So help us out with that. Maybe it's not up to you. I'm sorry. But if, if, if it is up to you, please, please fix that. If you, if you can't fix it and it's a record label thing, might want to give them a call or send them a text or something. I was shocked how progressive this band was. They play around with the time signatures. I definitely heard a fretless bass in there, so I was getting some later death vibes. I assumed that's why we were talking about this band, was more of those cosmetic similarities to Dan's favorite death metal band, Death. <laughs> well, I, I gotta say, that bass tone is so clean. So clean. I mean... I would pick it up and eat it right off the floor. We're in some mud vein 
dig Death Bloom's territory with that bass tone, guys. Please don't mention Mudvayne on my atheist episode. <laughs> I already mentioned Ghost. I know, man. You're just like, see, see. A couple weeks ago, we had a guy like, like, send us an angry tweet about like, you guys should just listen to, to keep listening to Disturbed and, and Danzig and stuff. And then every single week, Joe has thrown something in just to piss that person off. And so I appreciate it, and I love it, but he's not wrong. It, it does have a clean bass, bass tone, very similar to uh, early, early Mudvayne. Uh, so who influenced who? Um, I think Mudvayne grew up listening to Atheist because they should have. That might be why that's like maybe the most progressive new metal album I've ever heard. More on that in the Mudvayne episode. You know, Atheist is one of those bands that gets thrown around all the time with bands like Death and cynic it's like it's like the the holy trinity of progressive death metal bands right cynic death atheist and um i'm here for it i have to admit atheist is the band that i am probably the least familiar with as far as sort of following them throughout the years and much like cynic they were a really 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 big deal back in the day and then they went away for a really long time and then they came back and continued to be a big deal but now they were like a classic big deal. But I, I want to assure you right now, that's not some sort of like gimmick of time. You know, like we've talked about bands that are just mediocre throughout a long period of time. And then they, they disappear and then they come back and then everybody's like, oh, they're a classic band, but they didn't like really earn it. Uh, based on the quality of atheists music, I would say that they have completely earned it. And they are a band that you should be listening to. I promise that's not my final thought because we just started this episode. The term mathcore gets thrown around when you talk about bands like Mashuga, Gojira at times. But this to me is the mathy progressive metal. The up-tempo, rapid time signature changes... Very deliberate, count to four, count to five, count to seven, count to nine. You have to have a grid to learn these songs. And to hear these guys play together, and it's so clean and it's so tight, it's entertaining, but it can be challenging. It can grate on the nerves a little bit, because as soon as you get into the vibe, the vibe changes. But I think that's what you're in for, and it's what you're expecting when you're listening to classic death metal like this or classic progressive death metal which is what i think this is yeah i mean it's it's interesting in the sense that it is music that's hard to listen to uh for me if you go back and listen to our rivers of nihil episode i talk about how like sometimes these bands have so much cool stuff going on that it's hard for me to pay attention and uh atheist is definitely like that and it is one of those things where it's like I'm not going to complain because the music is too complex and there's more and more to go back to every single time because that's not really a complaint. It's just one of those things where like, if you're going to listen to Atheist, you need to pay attention. You're not going to appreciate it if you don't pay attention. And uh, that's, that's going to be kind of the running theme uh, on, on this episode. Well, before Dan runs away with the theme, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Podchaser. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. 
Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews and the Discord server. Take it away, Dan. We do enjoy our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. If you like our show, leave us a five-star review. If you don't like our show, leave us a one-star review. Regardless of what you write, we will absolutely read it on the show. Um, if it's really, really, really mean, we will make fun of you. But, uh, you know, it's all good. Uh, unless, like, unless it, like, really cuts me to the heart and I start crying while I'm reading it because it's it's so true. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Does this person know me? But you, you don't want to miss out on that. So definitely make sure to leave us a review. And uh, you know what? If you want to hang out, uh, Joe and I, Joe and I, we have this Discord server. Uh, discord.discussmetal.com if you join that discord server we are in there that is the best place to find us to get a hold of us to talk to us uh, to ask us what bands we're covering on the show we won't actually tell you what bands we're covering but if you want to if you want to suggest a band for us to cover that's a good place to do it as well as to share memes talk about music and just kind of get to know some of the other listeners that are on the show uh, discord's a lot of fun we have we have a lot of fun hanging out there and, uh, you know, if you want to support the show financially, that would be amazing. And the way you could do that is if you go to patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have a lot of different perks, which include, uh, but which includes, but is not limited to uh, album reviews, individual album reviews for new releases. People are always like, Dan, Joe, what did you think about the new da 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 da? We talk about that on Patreon. Once a week, you get a brand new individual album review in addition to your episode of discography discussion. Patreon subscribers get early access to episodes. You get to be part of a private room in the Discord server that is only for Patreon subscribers, and you have the ability to skip the line. What does skip the line mean? Well, that means that uh, you can directly pick what band we're going to talk about on the podcast instead of having to wait for us to get around to it on our long list. We have all the details about that perk laid out on the Patreon page, so definitely make sure to click the link in the show notes and check that out. And if you guys have any questions for us, you can always reach out to us at show at gmail.com. We have some comments to read. Oh, no. You know I'm allergic to comments. I'm kidding. I love reading comments. <laughs> uh, we got a, We got a comment... Uh, in regards to our Rivers of Nihil episode from Lesser of Two Equals, he comes in and says, as somebody who lives 45 minutes away, it's pronounced Redding. And of course, he's talking about uh, Redding, Pennsylvania, as uh, on the episode I did refer to the band's hometown as Reading, Pennsylvania, because that's how it was spelled, man. That's just that's just how it was spelled. I, I didn't know. I don't I don't live 45 minutes away, but now that you've told me that, uh, you know, I'll make sure to say Reading the correct way in the future should we encounter another band from Reading. Unless they are not as good as Rivers of Nihil, and then um, then I'm just going to say it wrong as a sign of disrespect towards the band. On the plus side, you just upped your Monopoly game, dude. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah. I do now own a railroad. And if you if you if you if you land on that railroad, I'm gonna I'm gonna charge you money. <laughs> so you don't, don't know what happens on Baltic Avenue. Nobody wants to step on my railroad. Speaking of Rivers of Nihil, Adam K. Biggs of Rivers of Nihil decided to jump in and share our episode on Twitter. 
He says, this was a neat listen for me. Cool to hear a more in-depth discussion of the Conscious Seat of Light because hardly anyone talks about that album. Although they do sort of suggest that we had truckloads of cash to make that record. And uh, let me tell you, LOL. So, um, yeah, so it turns out that the band did not, in fact, have a truck filled with money uh, to record that first album. And I think, uh, you know, and, and I responded to this one on, on Twitter just saying, like, I guess I just assume that anybody that has more money than me has a, a truckload of cash because I also have a truckload of cash, but it's a it's a matchbox truck. So it's got like it's got like, it's like three a compact pennies car. In, yeah, so it's got like it's got like three pennies in the bottom of that, or like however many little coins my, my kids can stuff into it. But um I don't know, man. I was just thinking like bigger record label, really cool producer. And uh, the only way I would suggest taking something like that is, you know, it is it is to that record's great credit that it's so good that it that it sounds like it was made on a huge budget uh, because it is one of the best sounding debut records I've heard sonically. So take that for what you will. We got an email actually today as of the recording of this episode. Uh, from Richmond Barkemeyer and uh, Richmond says, Hey guys, I'm a pretty new listener to discography discussion. I found you through the Roach Coach and have now listened to a ton of episodes. Just wanted to send a note to let you know how much I enjoy the show and that you should put code seven on the list of bands to cover. Keep up the good work. All right, we will add code seven to the long list and uh, appreciate you reaching out it's always i always makes me happy to know that people found us through roach coach because that's one of my favorite podcasts as you guys know so uh thank you uh lauren matt and jenny for uh for 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 another one and uh we will uh we will try to return the favor in the future i actually think a lot of people that listen to roach coach probably listen to discography discussion or vice versa we're all uh we all just like to listen to people sit down and talk about music in an honest way. Easy listening. And uh, I had nowhere to go with that point. So, Dan, tell me and the listeners all about Atheist. All right. So, Atheist is an American death metal band from Florida. They've been around since 1984. And um, I believe that they used to also be known as Oblivion and Ravage. <laughs> But uh, I've only ever known them as atheists, so that's what we're going to go with. Uh, these guys started off as... I'm just going to say it because I think this is this is accurate. Normally, I'm, I'm the genre police when it comes to these types of bands. But uh, they are mostly known for being a technical death metal band. Uh, and they absolutely are that in places, especially later on in their career. But uh, I would say more the beginning of their career and even throughout, these guys play more of a highly focused technical thrash sound with a lot of different progressive elements peppered in. It has that late 80s, early 90s vibe of big sounding drums with very focused, tight guitars, and then these random bass solos just pop up out of nowhere. Cosmetically, it sounds like Faith No More at times, with much less keyboards. But the death influence or the similarities between the two bands is very obvious to me. I don't know how many bands were really exploring the technical death metal side of the thrash sound, but you could easily confuse this band for being an aggressive thrash band who is trying to throw off the mosh pit in the early 90s. 
And the early 90s is where the discography starts, but we're not quite there yet, are we, Dan? Yeah, I mean, we're not quite there. Uh, And I think that, well, technically the first album was recorded in 1988, but we didn't see it uh, until 1990. So I guess it it just barely slides in for the win uh, right into the 90s. But uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like necessarily an influence from death as much as like, I think that these bands sort of like these guys and death and cynic uh, definitely all, I don't know, man, they all drank from the same water fountain, I think, as far as influences go and, and sort of deciding how they were going to proceed with their sound. And the biggest difference is, is that like, if, if I'm going to compare them to another band, I would definitely say probably more like cynic in the sense that cynic came out of the gate being sort of a progressive heavy band at the top of their career. Whereas death had to put out, you know, uh, the, the extremely brutal and gutty, uh, you know, I was, I, that was a mistake. I didn't mean to say gutty, but I think I'm going to go with it because gutty's kind of cool. Uh, that's sort of like gritty, uh, gory death metal brutality. So it's like death didn't necessarily hit the hit the ground running with this sound, but then you've got bands like Cynic and Atheist that are doing that are doing that, you know, as early as 1988 uh, with that sort of melodic, clean bass, not so much on the low end. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, it's, this is a really hard band to describe. And uh, I think that's that's where the challenge really lies here. It's certainly very good but it's also not necessarily listenable unless you're really paying attention. 1990, Peace of Time. And I don't mean peace like world peace. I mean a piece of time. Like count to five and you just got a piece of it. Right, you have one-fifth of time, <laughs> essentially. And uh, this this thing comes out of the gate swinging, man. Uh, it is so fast and like it but like in a thrash sort of way like almost like a like a venom you know like like just really 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 fast drums very erratic raspy high-pitched growly vocals and like this this is where i get sort of the thrash because like i hear a little bit of that like early like sepultura energy here with like we're gonna go as fast as we can but it doesn't take very long for you to start realizing that these guys are a cut above the rest whenever it comes to their actual riff choices, their time signature. And because um, it, it sounds like there's this flurry of noise, but then they start sort of playing with the timing a little bit. And they start sort of slowing down and speeding up in weird time and then doing that like that, that those dueling guitar harmonies that sound like you're spinning out drunk in the middle of outer space. You know, like I, I, I'm into all of that stuff. And then you mix it with this like just like super super clean bass tone, and then you've got you've got flurry solos, you've got cat stranglers galore, and you're just having a really 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 great time if you're a fan of thrash metal, and um, and even death metal, you know. And I think that's really where the death metal tag kind of comes in because a lot of the bands that played this style of thrash, you know, either ended up becoming death metal bands or ended up sort of. Uh, sort of getting lumped in with that style. And I think I think Atheist is mostly a technical thrash band on this record, but you will start hearing those death metal elements sort of pepper in. Uh, the first thing that really hits me about this record is that it's it's kind of thin sounding. 
uh, guitars are a little thin. It's a little, I don't want to say light, but there just doesn't seem to be a lot of low end in the mix. And that could just be because, as we said before, we were listening to YouTube rips. So, you know, if you're, if you're playing this on vinyl in a thousand dollar system and you're like, what, what the hell are these guys talking about, about there being no low end? Uh, I just can't hear it uh, f- through my headphones right now. But uh, at the same time, I think that that's pretty typical for the time for 1990. And um, this band sort of sort of focusing more on the speed, the aggression, the technicality, more so than the progressive elements. If we ever wanted to record a versus episode for technical death metal, I think match one has to be atheist versus death. Because yes, it's an erratic, fast, thrash-influenced band that sometimes is the carbon copy of Slayer. Other times, they go full Dream Theater. And I mean classic Dream Theater, where 7-8 was not a bad thing. And they tie it all back together. So you have a band who might be for the musicians in the crowd, who's still trying to be brutal and spin their hair and see if the crowd can keep up. But that's not the majority of the fans, right? It's not the majority of thrash fans. It's not the majority of metal fans. But I think the majority of metal fans at this point in the genre when popular music was changing, and I know this was recorded in 88, so imagine these songs being played in 86, 87. It was about being brutal. It was about destroying the stage. And that was the point, was just to be heavy, to be brutal, to not give a fuck, to put the finger up and say, we're heavier than you guys. You guys can't play this. You're still trying to double bass your way through a 4-4. It's spontaneous sounding, but in a good way. Yeah, and you got to ask yourself, too, like, how, um, like how, how well do you think, and I, and I really don't know the answer to this, um, because I think that this is still aggressive enough and heavy enough to still, like, you can go to the show and you can absolutely just kill yourself in the mosh pit and the band can have a really good time and, and thrash all over the stage. I mean, if they're able to do that with playing this stuff, I know I certainly can't, but I'm sure they could. And, uh, so like, I think that like, I don't want to necessarily say that they're, that they were fooling the meatheads into having a good time. Maybe guys that maybe guys that didn't necessarily realize that what they were hearing was, super complex and and nearly impossible to play in certain places um but i think on this record especially this one's a little bit more raw lyrics have a little bit more um i don't know like they're not they're not uh they're not amateur lyrics as bad as something like deicide (laughs) but uh this is that as they go on their lyrics their lyrical quality starts to mature quite a bit um, but on this record, they still seem like a pretty pissed off, angry band that has these sort of technical and progressive tendencies. And I think the reason for that is, and I could be totally off base here. So, you know, I- I'm sure there's like demos and stuff that I haven't heard, but I would imagine that when this band starts off in 1984, they're just a heavy thrash band, right? Uh, maybe even like a little bit of that classic metal sound, you know, with some thrash. Then they progressively get heavier and heavier and heavier as the scene sort of evolves. And so you get that sort of anger, that aggression, that frustration. But like you've been playing for what, six years before you're, you've been playing in this band for like what, six years before you put out your debut album. And so that by that point, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like 
because they were bored with just the heavy sound, but I can understand being in that scene and watching it evolve, how once you have your chance to sort of drop your debut on the world, you want to make it interesting and you want to make it stand out. Uh, and I think they absolutely accomplished that on this record. Because, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the amount of death metal bands out of Florida in the early 90s, these guys definitely stick out like a sore thumb in a good way. So, like, not a sore thumb. 1991. Unquestionable presence. Okay. this So, this is... Uh, this is a totally different beast entirely. <laughs> Take everything you've learned over the past five years and let's write a follow-up, shall we? The band counts more. The production is better. If anything, this is the debut I was looking for from a technical death metal band. And it explains what you were saying on the last one, where the band really sounds like a thrash band who's going a little bit outside the box. This record, it's technical death metal, and there is no argument. Yeah, I mean, there's still like a little bit of that thrash tendency. Like I said, I think it sounds, I still think that it sounds a little thin for death metal. But again, I'm not, I'm not here to sit here and tell you because like, honestly, with a band like Atheist, that, that those sort of titles don't really matter. You know what I mean? Whether it, whether it's death metal or or thrash metal or or progressive metal or technical metal, uh, Atheist has sort of separated themselves from the pack on this record by introducing elements that people would just not necessarily would just not necessarily associate with metal. It still thrashes ahead really hard. It's still it's still really really in your face. Um, drummer is not letting up in even a little bit, but like this record is where you start getting sort of that like jazz fusion <laughs> thrown in there. Yes. And, um, you know, I, we're all huge Candiria fans over here at discuss metal. So, uh, you know, uh, jazz fusion when done right mixed with metal the correct way, which it is here. Um, I think these guys more or less wrote the book on this. I mean, this is. This is leaps and bounds more interesting than I was expecting it to be. I'm not going to lie. And um, I think because, I mean, I, I've got uh, I've got peace of time on CD. I, I had never really dug into dug into this one. And this just absolutely blew me away. And I can't even describe why exactly because I'm so blown away. I mean, within the fir within the first like 15 seconds of the record, you're already in that crazy sort of jazz fusion territory <laughs> and you might get a little confused as to what you're listening to, but it's fine. Um, because you know, the sounds a little bit beefier. Um, they will eventually go into what you would sort of expect from a metal band song structure, but it's almost like they're just sort of getting this stuff out of their system. I think the word that really comes to mind, cause I'm like trying to put, I'm trying to put a, a, a put my own spin on this or describe it in a way maybe that other people haven't described it but it's it's a brain scramble is what it is it is an absolute brain scramble and it's exactly what i was saying earlier if you're not ready for it you cannot just you cannot just put this record on while you're doing dishes right or 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 you know driving in the car because you're gonna miss so much nuance and so much subtle variation and then a lot of like very obvious quick like brain bending changes 
And then like, I mean, it just, it's nuts how they'll, they'll go from this like insane complex sort of jazzy, jazzy section part. I'm sorry. My technical terminology is not as developed as it could be. Um, (laughs) But I mean, just going, going from just sort of like freak out jazz moments to just low end bottom heavy, you know, beat you down sort of riffs. And then back into solos, and then and then sort of the jazz influence comes in during the solo, and the drummer is basically not even a human being at this point. And no, I'm not. It's not me trying to say that they're not real drums. There's obviously someone is actually playing them, but it's somebody that's a lot smarter than me and has a much more dynamic sense of rhythm and progression than I have. Um, hats off. I mean, this thing absolutely blew my mind. I think I've said that like three times now. And uh, it's only like 30 minutes of music. And that's what I mean about like having to sort of pay attention to what this band is doing because you might miss it. Like you might just sort of hear some noise in the background and and it just kind of go past you. Like you'll be like, oh, yeah, this is heavy. You know, and again, it's probably with that meathead at the show that, you know, is just there to mosh, you know, that it might be like all he hears. But man, I, this is a record that I really wish I would have had whenever I was in like my music appreciation classes and music theory classes in college, because uh, I would have shown this to my to my music teacher immediately and been like, "You see, man, you see, you see how see how this heavy band is just absolutely killing it." Let me put it into words. This album is not Miles Davis on the corner. This album is Thelonious Monk. Tension and dissonance taken to its absolute extreme and not letting up until the song is done. The band is a metal band who is more than capable of playing anything on Ride the Lightning, anything on Killing Is My Business, anything on Seasons in the Abyss, but they want to count to 7 and 11 and 19. It might not be popular, but if you don't do it, who's going to? The band is on another level, musically, technically, and they're not afraid to be on that level. Do I think this band is as good of songwriters as Metallica? Do I think they're as poppy as a Motley Crue? No, I don't. I don't even think they're as heavy metal as a Judas Priest. But when I'm listening to technical metal, I want the band to take off and go in an interesting direction, and I want them to hold my attention in a way that I keep listening and looking for the nuance. You can be too chaotic that it becomes uninteresting, but this band doesn't do that. They hold your attention, they pull you back and forth between these ideas, and I want more every time I listen to the records. So more is what you're going to get. 1993, Elements. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Okay, so what's interesting about Elements really is that this band essentially was gone. Like they 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 did unquestionable presence and then they just like disbanded because I mean I mean how are you gonna top that? No, it's not true. I don't actually know why they disbanded, but uh I, I would imagine it's because they put out one of the craziest albums ever made and nobody else is ever gonna come close. Um, but no, they disbanded, but then they, they sort of reunited and recorded this album, which I think was more or less to fulfill a contract. But, uh, you know, there's ways that that, that there's how other bands fulfill contracts by just like throwing a bunch of B sides together. And that's the album. Uh, and then there's the way atheist does it where they put out uh, a really, really, really good follow up to unquestionable presence. Um, 
elements. I mean, there, there's no nice way to say it. I'm sorry if we don't focus as much time on this album as the previous, but this one kind of, I don't necessarily think it stacks up to unquestionable presence, but that said, they sort of keep the same vibe going, which is kind of incredible whenever you're really considering the fact that like these guys could have been doing like calculus seven or whatever. But I almost think that like if they had pushed their sound even further out there, we may not even necessarily have like a metal band, <laughs> you know, at the end of it. And um, no, I mean, I really like elements. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I think that the production quality is a little bit less on this one. Uh, again, unless I'm just listening to a bad rip of it, which is uh, always a persistent reality in 2022. <laughs> uh, whenever, you're, whenever you're dealing with digital music, um, people did not preserve records as well as they preserve them now, um, which could totally be fixed if we could buy, you know, uh, lossless flat copies of the album on Bandcamp. Just saying. Um, I like this one. I think it's a really good follow up to Unquestionable Presence. I just don't necessarily think that their band is pushing themselves further than they did on Unquestionable Presence. But I don't think that whenever you're like this advanced and you're still making very highly technical, nuanced, impossible to play music, that people are going to continue to find new things in upon multiple listens. I don't necessarily think you have to reinvent the wheel because your wheel is still like a 14-sided, you know, Oh, I don't even know what the word for a 14-sided geome geometrical shape is, but uh, if I can ever think of it, it's that. Um, they're, they're, they already reinvented the wheel, and so now, like, unless somebody else shows up with an exact copy of their wheel, they don't necessarily have to create a new one, I guess, if, if, if that makes any sense. Production-wise, this one is not as good as the previous, but it has a different vibe that stands on its own for me. It sounds like this band is not afraid to go mono. And in 1993, that was usually a bad thing. If the last record was Thelonious Monk, this one's a little bit closer to Onnit Coleman and Free Jazz. Like you said, it sounds like a band who has the technical capability that Atheist has, but it sounds like that band got together over the weekend and laid out a grid and just went for it. So yes, it has some interesting progressive ideas, but it has more of an improvisational vibe. That does not mean I don't like it. It's just a different vibe. And if this was all we had from this band, I would question if this was the most original record in the discography. But this is not the last record by this band, despite 17 years of trying. I do like this record overall, but I think Unquestionable Presence is the definitive atheist record in 1993 and for at least the next 15 years. Yeah, this is weird. Uh, so it's not, I mean, we, we've sort of dealt with this before with, with bands like Cynic where they kind of just break up, you know, for whatever reason. And I, again, I don't know what the personal reasons are, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do the thing that I normally do, where I decide that I'm gonna just guess what I think the personal reasons were, uh, because you know that's what personal reasons are—they're personal. Uh, but what I can tell you is this band came back in 2010 with a record called Jupiter that I was not—I'll uh, be honest with you—I was not expecting to ever hear anything from this band ever again. And um, what we got 
is I don't necessarily think what we got is what people were expecting, but I'm still sort of happy that we got it, if that makes sense. With 2022 ears and a love for classic heavy metal, this record makes me happy that it sounds like a later career Candiria and less like an early career Faith No More. Yes, it's a cosmetic difference, but this sounds like a complete band who has been given the space on the record to mix these sounds together, and it sounds so good. If there's one outlier in this record, it's the drummer and how percussive the drums sound. I realize that sentence doesn't make a lot of sense because, of course, the drums are percussive. But to crank the snare that way and not build out the soundscape with layers and layers of triggers and extra sounds to make it sound big and beefy this just sounds like a band that has a lot of music and a 70 minute cd or however many digital seconds they want to take to write a progressive metal record it's not better than anything between the buried and me did but it's not adult contemporary death metal this is a heavy metal band who is playing more technically than anyone else in 2010. The exception might be Meshuggah, but that's not more technical as much as it's straight math core. I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily say that I, I know who was playing what in 2010 better than, than whom or anything like that. As far as this record goes, I think that this is an interesting sort of throwback to the... Uh, to the, to the previous or, or, or to the, yeah, it's like the pre piece of time sound, or maybe I'm sorry, the pre unquestionable present sound, uh, because they definitely have those progressive elements, but they're going for sort of that more aggressive sound, uh, like they had on piece of time. And I think it works here. I mean, it's interesting hearing like the modern recording sound of it but how much it actually still sounds kind of like a 90s record like it sounds better than that but like i don't know i feel like there's more there's more sort of like thrash and death metal element in here and a little bit less of like the free you know the, like the jazz fusion and all that stuff that people had started to associate with atheist absolutely uh, back back in the 90s so they're definitely going for more of that um more of that sort of technical sound, but not necessarily leaning as heavily on the progressive metal side of it. Now, those elements are absolutely there, but I don't know, man. I like hearing this like sort of r more raw version of Atheist that sort of resonates with the meathead in me a little bit more. And, uh, you know, it's a nice tight 32 minutes. Um, it's certainly not trying to push the envelope as far as the technical ability of the band. But I mean, I think that, you know, granted, it's, this was 12 years ago. I still think of it as the quote unquote, the new atheist album. Uh, but I don't know. I, I like sort of, I don't want to call it a throwback sound. I hate using the word throwback because it's not a throwback. It's just atheist doing what atheist does, <laughs> right? That's not the same thing as like we're a new band trying to sound like an early 90s metal band. You know, um, these guys are continuing to do what they do. And it's interesting, too, that they still have that sort of thinner, uh, thinner sound uh, and not so much focused on the bottom end. And so like now it's like, OK, 
So clearly that is an intentional choice. That is the atheist sound. Not sure why it took me four records to come to that conclusion. Probably because I sometimes have trouble paying attention to things like that. <laughs> uh, especially whenever I'm having this good of a time. And I know I've, I've sort of flopped around on, on sort of describing this band. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that these guys are some of the best, if not the best, metal sort of songwriters Maybe not necessarily in like a like a popular like popularity contest. To me, a good a good songwriter is somebody that writes something that every time I hear it, I hear it a little bit differently. And I think Atheist has done that. Even on uh, even on Jupiter, they still sound like Atheist. Like, sure, they've gone more progressive in the past, but at the same time, like if you're progressive all the time like that, I don't necessarily think it it works. Like, you can sort of become sort of a one trick pony. And if there's one thing that this band is not, it's a one-trick pony. So, I mean, I, I highly recommend pretty much all four of these records, which is something that I don't normally say. But uh, you, you'd, you'd have a, you'll have a pretty easy time if you stick with Atheist and, uh, and just kind of dig into their records over and over and over and over again to get a better, of, better understanding. But if you're looking for, like, some brutal band classic Florida death metal sound, uh, this ain't it. Uh, this is not going to be. Uh, this is not going to be your cup of tea. But if you're willing to put up with some of that more proggy stuff, but you also get sort of the uh, that 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 early thrash, early death metal sort of mix over, you get that level of aggression with an equal level of technical prowess. I think Barn is one of the most interesting bands we've discovered this year because it's so odd to see a young band playing an old style and doing it very well. You see the potential in that band. When Atheist comes back 17 years later and releases a new record that sounds better than anything else they released, and the music is the perfect balance of everything this band has done, you have to stop and pay attention to that record for a few minutes because it's going to do something better than any new band was doing at the time. And we've talked about the heavy hitters so many times. We just talked about Rivers of Nihil. That doesn't mean this is better or that those bands are better. It just means that the classic sound of technical death metal was still here and Atheist just did it perfectly in 2010. I think this record is the perfect mix of what this band does and I keep hoping for something new. Maybe we'll get it someday. Maybe we won't. And if we don't, this is the perfect starting point for someone who's never heard this kind of technical death metal. You could work your way backwards with this band, but I think you should start at the end in this case. It's the right starting point for 2022 sonically. I never say this, but I agree with Joe <laughs> on, this, on this one thing. You want to shout out our beloved patrons, Dan? I will shout it out loud from the rooftops. These are the people that make this show possible. And they include Ben Connect, Punk Giraffa, John Drake, Aaron Phillips, Evan Merkel, Lost Fiction, Kyle Driver, Dangerous Dave, Richard Renz, Big T, Big T, Brandon Miranda, Ken Zapla, Jeremy Prince, Josh Moser, David Brown, Samuel Woodward, Brian the Dean, Patrick Asplund, and Lance Allegood. The King of Metal. 
Thank you guys so, so much for everything that you guys do for us, and we will continue to do what we can do for you. Final thoughts on Atheist. Dan. It's Atheist, man. If you like technical music, there's no reason why you either A, don't already have all of this ba- all of the albums by this band, or B, haven't even heard them. I mean, the, we're just... I would imagine most people listening to this are already Atheist fans, um, and all, all I have to say is... Uh, I really wish that I had given this band more of a chance in the past because honestly, man, this is one of the best things I've ever heard. And it feels like something I should have been ranting and raving about for years at this point. Ranting and raving is exactly what I expected. Atheist is one of the most interesting technical death metal bands I've heard recently. I have heard this band before, but overall they were lost in the shuffle with death and other heavy thrash bands that were just trying to slaughter the stage with brutality and spinning their hair and destroying everything in sight. I think Atheist does something that I've only really heard with Death, but it's a mix so many bands could be doing at the time. I wasn't around or aware of how cool it was when Herbie Hancock started playing electronic music. But someone who is known for being on the edge of improvisation and jazz and trying to not reinvent himself, but also reinvent the audience and change the taste of the people that are listening to the music and latch on people who may not have heard that music before. Atheist is playing heavy metal. They're playing thrash. They're playing technical death metal. They are in every way as original and interesting as death, and there is not a sour note to be found. But this band stays a little bit closer to the popular sound of heavy metal than a band like death with Chuck's vocals. So is this the technical death metal band for the popular heavy metal fan? Maybe. I think anyone who is a fan of this genre who has not given Atheist a chance needs to give this band a chance. They need to give them a listen and they need to let it sink in. Because once it sinks in, it becomes something that you go back to. And this is a band I'm excited to go back to. Listen to Atheist. Damn, what's your album of the week? Well, man, I got to get all these like actual metal bands out of my system, right? Because as everybody knows, we're a metalcore podcast, right? Uh, So, (laughs) you know, I got to I got to get back to that song. I mean, we just hit so many bands in a row, right? We had we had Rivers of Nihil. We had Cradle of Filth. You know, we had uh, do we have Deicide at this point? Yes, we did. Um, We had Cradle of Filth. We had Rivers of Nihil. We had Deicide and then Atheist. And I, I, I love I love, you know, real metal, as, as a lot of people would call it. But, uh, yeah, man, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Fused Together and Revolving Doors by the Red Chord. Go check it out. Unless you hate, unless you like hate metalcore, then, then maybe don't. I was looking at the list this week, and I realized after almost 300 episodes and quickly approaching episode 300, there is a band... I'm not sure why we haven't discussed on this podcast. There's only one aspect I can think of, and maybe it's time that we talk about some 41. So this week I was listening to Chuck. Dan, have I convinced you? We'll talk about it later. 
<laughs> and if you want to find out when we're going to talk about that band, you should definitely subscribe to Patreon because that's the kind of information we let out sometimes in the Discord. But only for those guys, because, you know, they're why this podcast happens financially, don't you know? Take us out, DFT. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Discography Discussion. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe. You can subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Trust me, we're there. Just search for us. Or you can find everything at DiscussMetal.com. You can always send us an email at show at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us on Discord at Discord.DiscussMetal.com. We've got some sweet perks, so uh, make sure to check them out. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Discography Discussion. On Instagram at DiscussMetal. And also on that other website that I can't remember what it is right now. Oh, yeah, Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at DiscussMetal also. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next week. And on that note, this has been episode 280 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podchaser. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please, send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me that sweet, sweet green. One dollar a month, it gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Choose not